We are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. This is what we're dealing with with these people up there. Tom Brady can play at least 50. It gets serious. I mean, Mraz, what do you think about these donuts? You have I think the you better put donut. them down before I run through the glass. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad, Lance Booker. Now, Mraz, again, these are the hardest one to eat. He's putting his face down. Is Mraz going to survive? Who? No, let's go. Let's go crazy. How many years ago we finally put bacon on a donut? Mirad is disgusted. But hey, we paid GPP and his three fingers to go out there and do nothing last night. Mirad on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go, North America. Go crazy on this Sunday morning. The West Coast, you're going to bed on a Saturday night. East Coast, waking up on a Sunday morning, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on the Sean Moraes Show on CBS Sports Radio. And we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you, too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. You know what you're doing right now if you're waking up or if you're just about to go to bed. One last old check of the phone. What stories are happening? What's going on in the sports world? Don't worry about it. I have you covered right here. It's time for your phone scroller. It's time for the phone scroller. The biggest stories you'll be reading waking up this morning. Only on the Sean Morass Show. Story number one, I don't want to live in the moment, but it certainly felt like to me the Iron Bowl from a pure entertainment standpoint was the game of the year to date in college football, at least the big game of the year. Alabama rolled in, the committee doing all they could to keep them right at that five spot, whereas if they didn't play a conference championship game, which we knew they wouldn't at this point, LSU would be, that a Georgia loss would still get Bama into the college football playoff. One problem. It was Auburn that comes through with the 48-45 to victory and puts Bama at a second loss and knocks Alabama out of the college football playoff picture. And for five straight years, the college football playoff has existed. And for five straight years, Alabama has been a part of that college football playoff every single year. And a college football season that started with many believing, wow, we were just going to end up with Alabama and Clemson, has turned into an unpredictable fun ride. However, that being said, injuries, yeah, they did Alabama in specifically a quarterback when Tua gets hurt in both of their losses. Tua was hurt in a win over LSU, although he played, and many people thought he played well, but he wasn't the dual threat he was. Had he been, he probably is able to break off a couple more runs. They could find a way to win that game. But nobody's going to feel bad for Alabama when it comes to injuries because Alabama has had good fortune and sometimes creates their own good luck over this entire Nick Saban tenure, and they ran into some hard luck. They ran into some undisciplined plays. I mean, when you're jumping off sides when it's fourth and four on field goal attempts, you know, maybe it's just not your year if you're Alabama. And obviously a missed kick late that could have tied the game. Auburn still would have had a chance with Bo Nix, who's been excellent, to go down the field and win the game late in regulation. But maybe that would have led to overtime, and maybe things could have been different for Alabama. But alas, they are not. And for anybody who hates Alabama, and there are plenty of you, for anybody that is tired of Alabama, because you don't want to see Alabama playing a national championship game. You want to see something different. I hear that. I hear that. 
but be careful what you wish for. Now, short term, we set up next week the conference championship games, and what we have are the potential for three playoff games, so to speak. Right off the bat, Friday night, the Pac-12 championship game, Utah and Oregon. If an Oregon, if Oregon wins, Utah would be out. Utah wins, they're very much alive for that last college football playoff spot. Now, if Utah makes the college football playoff, do you mean to tell me, and I understand their defense has been great, they're good in the trenches, do you mean to tell me if it's LSU who's holding that one seed with a win over Georgia that Utah is going to go give you the effort versus LSU that Alabama did earlier in the year? That feels like LSU by 20 points to me. But, hey, you want something different, you just may get it. Big 12 championship game, Oklahoma wins. Oklahoma might just get back in. But we saw Oklahoma last year in the college football playoff get outclassed with probably a better quarterback in Kyler Murray than Jalen Hurts is. Baylor, maybe Baylor wins and gets in. But, again, are they putting up a better fight than Alabama would? And, of course, then there's Georgia in the SEC championship game who, for all intents and purposes, is in a win-and-in situation if they beat LSU in Atlanta in what is a virtual home game for the SEC championship. We know how dangerous LSU is. We know how good LSU is. But if Georgia ever finds a way, they would erase that South Carolina loss from earlier in the year and get in. They, I think, then would make for a fascinating situation where they'd likely play Ohio State in that first game of the college football playoff. Bottom line is this, though. If you end up with a Baylor, if you end up with an Oklahoma, if you end up with a Utah, all bets are off. I think inevitably those all might be really good stories and fun stories. But when it comes time to actually play the game, you might be sorry that you rooted against Alabama and Alabama's out of this thing because I think the best college football playoff would have been Nick Saban and Alabama taking on an LSU or an Ohio State in the first round and either Ohio State and LSU taking on Clemson. I think we could have had the best college football playoff to date, but now we will not get that. And, hey, you get a little parody, and parody sometimes ain't a bad thing, but just maybe the college football play will be a little less entertaining without Alabama, as much as many of you may hate seeing them there. Story number two, boy, oh, boy, another embarrassing effort from Jim Harbaugh at Michigan in his team's biggest game of the year. 56-27, they fall at home to the machine that is Ohio State in the big house. That's 15 of 16 games now as a program that Michigan has lost. So, yeah, is it all on Harbaugh that they can't beat Ohio State? No, but at the same time, Harbaugh was brought in to be the mastermind, the master recruiter, the guy, the main attraction. We got Jordan Brand all over the jerseys, and here we are, five straight years for Harbaugh and five straight efforts that have come up short versus Ohio State. And three years ago, when they go to overtime and they lose the game, you're thinking progress is made by Michigan. Now Harbaugh is going to come make the climb. And now you're thinking before the year, oh, Urban's out, Ryan Day is in. Now it's really set up for Harbaugh to take care of business. And here is Michigan, three losses, all once again, falling apart. Okay, good luck. Go play in your cute little Outback Bowl or whatever you're going to get into. You're not even close to a college football playoff. And Harbaugh's not going to get fired, nor should he, when he's 9-3, 10-2 every year. But at the same time, Michigan is proving that they're settling for average and just settling for good enough. And premier wins and premier victories are no longer a thing of Michigan, especially with Jim Harbaugh. He can't figure out how to recruit complete team defense that keeps up with the speed of Ohio State, who doesn't change the way they recruit at all. He can't figure out if he can't stop them on defense. Hey, I better build an offense that can get in a track meet with Ohio State. And outside of Donovan Peoples-Jones, there's not a soul on that Michigan offense who could play on the Ohio State offense. Just another disastrous ruining of the great rivalry, the greatest rivalry that is Michigan and Ohio State. It has now become hammer, meat, nail, completely uncompetitive. 
And that now is on Jim Harbaugh. It's on the Michigan program as a whole. But this was on Harbaugh to figure this thing out. And in a year that probably should have been his best opportunity. And I know Ohio State is a machine. But Michigan isn't even on the same planet. Not on the same planet. And what a disappointing fall to this rivalry. Story number three, I hit it on a little earlier in the show. Freddie Kitchens is an absolute joke of a head coach for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Ahead of the rematch, if you will, of the Steelers and Browns, although you won't get Mason Rudolph a quarterback and you won't get Miles Garrett anywhere near the stadium, here is Freddie Kitchens walking around with a shirt that says Pittsburgh started it. Oh, oh. Freddie Kitchens doesn't get it. Mason Rudolph could have been ridiculously hurt. He wasn't, thankfully. A week later, his defensive end, his prize pass rusher, who apparently didn't tell anybody on his team that he felt that Mason Rudolph hurled a racial slur at him and that prompted some of the rage, now that is suddenly one big joke to Freddie Kitchens? How does anybody in that locker room respect him? How does anybody respect him? He's one of the boys. He wants to hang out. He wants to be cool with Baker Mayfield. He wants to have a good laugh. I'm going to wear a Pittsburgh started at shirt because everybody in Cleveland who's a bunch of jokes themselves as a fan base who now has just fell in love with a Browns team that's been so average it's ridiculous. But I guess when you're used to 0-16 and 1-15, you can't help but love a star-ridden team that hovers around 500 at best, which is exactly what the Browns are. And this is the example that Freddie Kitchens has set for his franchise, that making jokes about stupid games and stupid fights While your team is loserville, you know what he looks like? He looks like Rex Ryan. And how did that end up? I know the Browns would kill for two AFC title games, but you're not even close. So Pittsburgh meets the Browns again in that rematch, and Freddie Kitchens thinks that fight a couple weeks ago was one big joke. Thinks the idea that his defensive end... By the way, if you're Miles Garrett, how do you view view Freddie Kitchens? He must not believe you about the racial slurs because he wouldn't be making a joke about it by saying Pittsburgh started it. Freddie Kitchens is the joke walking here. What a mistake hired by the Browns. The Browns are a disaster. And here they are, but I'm sure they'll thump their chest if they beat Delvin Hodges, Delvin Duck Hodges of the Steelers, and tell you how great they are. Meanwhile, they've been nothing but mediocre and below average all year, and Freddie Kitchens continues to make a mockery of the Browns organization. And the cult-following fan base, whether it's bags over their head or dog masks on, continues to get right in line and follow that company line. Your team is a joke. Your head coach is a joke. But hey, as long as Odell Beckham Jr. does that thriller dance in the end zone, all is good, right? 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 Cleveland fans, wake up. Your coach is a disaster. And that shirt, not funny. Pretty lame. Pretty stupid. And that's your phone scroller to start us off on this Sunday morning on the East Coast and end your Saturday night on the West Coast as we have flipped the page to December. Week 13. In the NFL, we saw it with three games get under the way. Cowboys falling to six and six. We discussed earlier in the show how the heck is Jason Garrett still employed three days after Thanksgiving? We come back though. One storyline we did not get into in the college football world, and that is the Clemson Tigers, and that is Dabo Swinney with a another impressive win. And Dabo, frankly, I thought telling it like it was after the fact. That team, after beating a South Carolina team that beat Georgia, knew they had to go all out because the committee, it seems like, is dying to keep Clemson out, doesn't believe in them because of the putrid ACC and one close game versus North Carolina. But I think we all might be sleeping on the Clemson program ahead of the college football playoff. And Dabo Swinney with a clear wake-up call and message to his team and to the public following their win against South Carolina on Saturday. We will break that down, play that audio, and discuss that next. This is the Sean Moraes Show. Get involved at 855-212-4227. 
The number again is 855-2124-CBS. If you want to hit on any of those topics I discussed here, we come back. Dabo, Clemson, what may be as we approach the college football playoff? It's Sean Moresh on CBS Sports Radio. It's Sean Moresh on CBS Sports Radio. Sean Marash time on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Sean Marash Show on CBS Sports Radio. The number to call is 855-212-4227. The number again is 855-212-4CBS. We do have three undefeated teams all sitting in the top three slots of the college football playoff as rivalry weekend ends and we look ahead to conference championship time. And it seems to be little doubt with the committee and the public that Two of those three teams are really jostling for that top spot of the college football playoff, while one of those teams sits back as the three seed, and in their coach's mind, maybe everybody just waiting for them to lose to kick them out. And is that unfair? And that team is Clemson. And that coach is Dabo Swinney. And I thought Dabo, following their 38-3 blowout win over an SEC team that beat Georgia in South Carolina— I thought he had a fascinating, and, I, and I'll be it, right on point about how we viewed Clemson this year. Obviously, if we lose this game, I mean, they're going to kick us out. They don't want us in there anyway. Uh, I mean, it, we'd, be, we'd, be, we'd drop to 20, you know. I mean, Georgia loses to this very same team, and the very next day it's how do we keep Georgia in it? We win to the team that beat South Carolina, and it's we, how do we get Clemson out? It's the dadgummest thing. So it's big because, you know, they can't vote us out. I mean, we got we to gotta go under. We got to go 30 and 0. I mean, we ain't got no choice. But we don't play nobody. So, I mean, it's big from a national standpoint. Yeah, he's right. He's right. Everybody has tried to downplay Clemson all year because the ACC is dog food. It's dog something else. And it is. But at the same time, that's not Clemson's fault. Is it Clemson's fault that Florida State suddenly is a program that can't get out of its own way? Is it Clemson's fault that since Lamar Jackson's left, Louisville has completely hit the skids? Is it Clemson's fault that before the year, everybody thought Syracuse would compete for an ACC title and be a serious, albeit some people thought Dino Babers would have them be a competitor for the college football playoff, and they were terrible. Is it Clemson's fault that an NC State program that seems to be turning out NFL quarterbacks all the time really is terrible? It's not their fault. They didn't play Miami. They didn't play Virginia Tech. And they will play Virginia coming up in the ACC title game. And the ACC is terrible. There's no denying that. But that's not Clemson's fault. But here is Clemson in a rivalry game versus an SEC opponent who granted you know, they're not Alabama, they're not Florida, they're not Auburn, they are South Carolina, but they are still a South Carolina that beat Georgia, a team currently sitting in the college football playoff with that one loss to them, a team that the college football playoff committee has let you know they believe they are a playoff team every single step of the way the last couple of weeks. And Clemson went out and demolished South Carolina Saturday 38-3. to So look, while LSU obviously has a more, few more key wins, 
Texas, Alabama, you know, name them. LSU has been right there. Georgia beat Florida. Everybody loves them. Ohio State. Okay, Ohio State beat Michigan. We just ragged on Jim Harbaugh. Ohio State has beaten Wisconsin. They will play them again. I get it. These teams have bigger wins on their resume than Clemson has. The only measuring stick comparison win we have for Clemson right now is South Carolina compared to Georgia. They annihilated South Carolina while Georgia lost to South Carolina. But that being said, why are we doubting Clemson when they have the quarterback that everybody deems to think is the next Peyton Manning in the NFL and Trevor Lawrence, the head coach in Dabo Swinney, who's been Mr. College Football Playoff, and a guy who has shown he could go toe-to-toe with Nick Saban at any year Anytime, and the fact that they recruit like an SEC team. If you think that Clemson doesn't belong because their schedule sucks, I just want to ask you, have you looked at their results? In their fifth game of the year, they won a game 21-20 to over Mac Brown's North Carolina Tar Heels. A game that, if you remember the end of it, Mac Brown decided rather than go for overtime... He was going to go for two in the win and called an atrocious swing-out play call that went nowhere, and Clemson won the game. And that game, because it sat where there was no big SEC game that day at 3.30 Eastern, that was the ending, and that was the game the entire country watched because it was close and it was tight. And we saw North Carolina almost beat him. So a lot of people had this perception about Clemson that, wow, maybe this isn't as good a Clemson team because they just struggled with North Carolina. Do you know why you haven't watched a lot of Clemson other than that moment? Because every single one of their games other than that has been a blowout. Georgia Tech, 52-14. to Texas A&M, by the way, SEC, another, another game we could compare. Blew them out, 24-10. That's still a 14-point win. Syracuse, 41-6 up in the Carrier Dome. Florida State, 45-14. At Louisville, 45-10. to Versus Boston College, 59-7. to At NC State, 55-10. to Wake was approaching top 25 status. Everybody was believing in Wake Forest. They whooped their tails 52-3 a week ago. And now they beat South Carolina 38-3. Clemson, outside of North Carolina, has kicked every single one of their opponents, excuse my language, ass. They've kicked them up and down. But yet they don't get the respect that LSU and Ohio State do because the ACC is terrible, and that's not Clemson's fault. And now they get Virginia, where I would still think if they got upset by Virginia, they get in the playoff at this point with one loss because of everything else that's happened. Like, for instance, if Utah wins and beats Oregon, and Oklahoma wins and beats Baylor again, this better not be Utah and Oklahoma get in and Clemson out if they lose to Virginia. No way, no heck, no how. That should not happen. Dabo's right. She feels like the committee is dying to put them away. I am not convinced that Clemson isn't the best team in the country. They blow everybody out. And they've been there, done that. I trust their head coach and their quarterback if we get in a big college football playoff spot because I've seen it. I haven't seen Joe Burrow in a big college football playoff spot. and I'm sure he'll do well. He's the number one quarterback right now projected in the NFL draft for a reason. Ohio State's a machine. We've seen them in big spots. I'm sure they'll do well. But we haven't seen Ryan Day and Justin Fields in the spot. We have seen Dabba. We have seen Trevor. And now we've seen a team go through a terrible ACC and destroy everybody outside of North Carolina and destroy two SEC teams. Two of them. 
in South Carolina and Texas A&M. That's an awesome undefeated year for Clemson, and they don't get the respect they deserve. Dabo is absolutely right. And if you're LSU or you're Ohio State, you're dying to get that one seed and play a Utah or play an Oklahoma at this point, maybe play a Georgia. You want no part of playing Clemson. And that was Dabo waking up his team and letting everybody know, hey, nobody believes in you. Nobody believes you. Nobody believes in you. Imagine being a national champion and having everybody tell you nobody believes in you or having your head coach tell you that because that's the way Clemson is fueling itself right now. They are drooling. They are ready for this moment. And if I was down in Vegas right now, I'd throw some money on Clemson to win the national championship. Shouldn't sound that outrageous. They won't be the favorite. It'll be Ohio State or LSU. But should Clemson actually be the favorite to make a national championship game, to go win a national championship? I want your thoughts at 855-212-4227. The number again is 855-212-4CBS. And your tweets at CBS, where Brown fans continue to not be happy with me. M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. All right. When we come back, your NFL picks for my mediocre pork store 14 and 14 year. I will play Connect Four my picks. Plus, are changes coming to the Washington Redskins? Is Dwayne Haskins the next Josh Rosen? Interesting stories starting to come out as maybe Dan Snyder thinking about making some changes where we didn't think changes were possible in Washington. It's Sean Morash on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Sean Marash on CBS Sports Radio. I thank you, voice guy. Brian McKean and James Graceffo on the other side. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227, is brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more car insurance as we bring you home on this Week 13 NFL Sunday recap and rivalry weekend in college football, John Kincaid comes your way next on CBS Sports Radio with plenty, I'm sure, reaction and his thoughts on the college football playoff. He may even do a segment similar to what I do with the Campus Crush, where I think he calls it the fallout. I Typical John getting it from me. Simple stuff there with the college football. He'll go around that. Enjoy John Kincaid coming up next on the college football at CBS Sports Radio. All right, look, one thing before I get to my NFL picks at Ian Rappaport tweets that I am stunned by and really ties into my everyday life, okay? My wife, as we are due with our first child mere weeks now as we have hit December, we have a Christmas due date, so we have hit the... It's the witching hour. It's the... Right, it's the witching hour. We have hit 3 p.m. Eastern on Red Zone, basically, when it comes to having a baby. A lot of a lot of changes, a lot of wild stuff could happen now, but the, we, need, we need to be prepared for baby to come now, all right? So, but the problem is, for four months, for four months, my wife has hounded me. Did you get your flu shot yet? Did you get your flu shot yet? Did you get your flu shot yet? I will full disclosure tell you I am scared of needles. I don't like getting shots. I go to the doctor to this day. If I get blood work or something like that, I start crying. I have to bite down on a shirt. I am the biggest baby in the world when it comes to shots. Says the guy with the giant tattoo. Right, right. So I have now put myself in a little conundrum. 
I have now for two weeks lied to my wife, or I know is awake listening, and told her I got said flu shot. I have not. Why would you do that? Because I just wanted to get her off my back, and I knew eventually I would go because I am taking this very seriously, having a baby around flu season, and I am going to get it. I went to go get it on Saturday because oh, I— you're going to go get it. I was told my supermarket pharmacy stop and shop was giving out free flu shots. I said, all right, I'm going to go. So I went to one— You made that an excuse to go food shopping. I, I had to go food shopping anyway. You needed pizza rolls. They were uh, not prepared for said flu shots yet when I went because I went early in the morning. They told me to come back in the afternoon. Uh, so I didn't so get it. So you blew it. it off. I blew it off because I couldn't leave again because my wife already thinks I had it. Okay. Um, the reason I'm tying this into sports is, well, number one, I'm going to have to get it at some point this week and just tell her I'm at the gym or something. She won't believe I'm losing weight anyway. So I'll just go then. Here's Ian Rappaport ahead of Patriots and Texans tonight. And this was a story I saw on Thanksgiving I kind of forgot about. Seven Patriots players, all of whom are starters, were listed as questionable with illness from flu to cold to anything in between. So there's a lot going around that Patriot locker room. While things seem to be trending in the right direction and most of her all should play, this will be a challenging a week as one can imagine in New England worth watching. So obviously, as we await the Texans, you know, a disjointed week as it is with Thanksgiving... Here is a flu virus of some sort ripping through the locker room of New England this week. And every time we hear a story, right, one person gets sick in a locker room, guy has to be quarantined, whole team can get sick. And I understand when you're around people that long, and for that much, in locker room, stuff could spread. But all the technology we have in the NFL, I mean, from MRI to machines... Anything in between, and the amount of money invested in the NFL and the team doctors and x-rays and this, that, the other thing. You mean to tell me that we're not giving out flu shots to all 53 people on this roster? You mean to tell me every step, every step we take in the NFL to ensuring health, right? I mean, we have reconstructive ACL surgery a day after a guy tears an ACL, and we can't pop a couple flu shots in these guys at the beginning of October to make sure, hey, if virus comes, we're taking care of it, at least for the flu strand. And when I hear flu-like symptoms and knowing what I'm going through right now to avoid getting a shot and lying to my wife out my, out my teeth about me getting a flu shot ahead of this baby, the New England Patriots and everything, but the TB12 method don't come with a flu shot? How is this whole team getting sick? I can get you avocado ice cream. I can't get you a flu right? shot. Right? We can wear rugs. We can get avocado ice cream. We can get our sleepwear all good, you know. You can do everything you want, Graceffo, in New England. But we don't have a flu shot to go around, and now the whole team's vomiting next to each other. Liability, but no flu, flu shot. As we go to play the Texans on Sunday night. Jeez. You know I'm getting this flu shot in the maternity ward? Uh, no, I'm getting it. I'm getting it this week. I'm also worried. You know what else I'm worried about? And maybe this is what the Patriots are worried about. I don't like the idea. And By the way, you should get your kids all the shots in the world. I'm not going down that road. I'm talking merely me as an adult. I hate the idea that I'm injecting myself with a virus. In my in my head, I'm going to get sick now, I feel like. I'm going to get the flu shot, and I'm going to have the flu for two days because I injected the flu into my body. That's what I'm scared of. And I'm also scared of the pain and pinching feeling. But clearly, everybody in New England's scared of it, too, because they won't get a flu shot. And now, here I am. I may be about to pick them in my NFL picks. And can I lay the three when nobody's getting a flu shot in New England? I don't know that I can. I would lay the three. And now, here we go with our NFL. All right, NFL out. picks. Pick number one, we go to New England and Houston. <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> really? Here we are. 
Sunday night football. We'll start from the back front. The Texans are hosting the 10-1 Pats. Pats, seven starters sick, as I just mentioned that. Here's the thing. Houston at 7-4 hasn't run away with this division. And, in fact, there's another big game, Indian and Tennessee, which I might mention in just a bit. Every time Houston faces a big challenge this year, Kansas City, Baltimore, they come up short. And Deshaun Watson has this weird pull, it feels like, with the media. People love Deshaun Watson. And he was a winner at Clemson. He seems like a really good guy. And he could really wow you with some of his play. And the way he battled the last couple of years beyond a bad offensive line, he's everything you want going forward. The problem with Deshaun Watson is he's so inconsistent in the big spot. And here we are with another big-time defense in New England, assuming they're healthy, coming in to face him. The Pats are laying three. This seems to be a game people want to jump on Houston, home team getting the points. We love Deshaun Watson. I'm not buying it. I think we get another lame Deshaun Watson effort on Sunday night. And the New England defense bottles him up. And the Patriots win this game by at least a touchdown where all you're laying is three. I will take the Pats on the road in New England. I mean, on the road in Houston. Flu shot be damned. Laying the three. Pick number two. I'm going to that late window on CBS. The Chiefs are laying 10 and a half at Arrowhead, taking on the Raiders. And I was a Raider believer, and it's funny how quick I will jump off a bandwagon. Their effort on the road versus the Jets, and maybe that's a trap game looking ahead to this spot versus Kansas City, is so unacceptable. So unacceptable to get pushed around. I know there was bad weather there last week. No excuse. Derek Carr looked horrendous. The defense looked horrendous. And you have a Kansas City team now fresh off a bye, really raring to go here after beating the beating the Chargers. And we have not seen the best of the Chiefs yet this year. This was a team I think many thought could get back to the one seed, host an AFC title game again versus New England. And it seems very clear at this point at 7-4, the Chiefs are going to be playing a wild card weekend. If they lose this game, though, if the Chiefs lose this game, suddenly they go into a tie with the Raiders. In the AFC West, they can't lose this game. And I think they got to look impressive doing so, and I think they will. I will take the Chiefs, and I think we got a vintage Mahomes from 2018 here. I think they wallop the Raiders on that late window on CBS. They cover the 10 and, ha- 10 and a half. Kansas City minus 10 and a half. Pick number two. Pick number three. We go to the Meadowlands where the this is the line of the week I can't figure out. The Giants will be starting three rookies in their secondaries. Jabril Peppers now has gone down with a fracture in his lower spine area. Uh, the wings of your spine have been fractured. forgot what they called it. They named it some other weird thing that he broke. But three rookies in that secondary. A giant offense whose two offensive tackles have keep regressing, including Nate Solder, are now going to block the two Smiths of the Packers rushing the passer? I don't think so. Daniel Jones is doing a better job of holding on to the ball of late, although I think this could be a bad fumble waiting to happen again as he gets blindsided by this Packer pass rush. And also, an angry Aaron Rodgers after not doing much offensively versus that great 49er defense. You want to see the opposite of the 49er defense? Check out the Giant defense because they their linebackers are atrocious. They really only have Marcus Golden as a pass rusher. Lorenzo Carter, when he wakes up, can rush the passer. I think they're going to be able to do what they want at will offensively. Bad weather at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. The, the spread here is six and a half, which means one, a win by a touchdown covers you here. That's why the spread makes no sense. Aaron Rodgers, bad weather or not, 
should have a field day with this Giants secondary. I will take the Packers to get right, get healthy, lay the six and a half for pick number three. Pick number four for the day. As you go up and down the board, up, down and up we go. How about this one for you? I'm all in, folks. I'm all in. I'm all in on what? The Ryan Tannehill era in Tennessee. The Titans are getting a point and a half, which is virtually a pick as they head to Indy. Both teams six and five. The winner of this game could tie Houston again for that division lead if the Texans fall to the Pats on Sunday night. Look, four and one is four and one. Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback. Give me the fighting Tannehills on the road in Indy. The Indy story was nice for a while. I think Indy now starts to falter a little bit. Tennessee on the come up. Marcus Mariota was a real problem there. And if Ryan Tannehill finds the Titans into the playoffs, do the Titans now have to give Ryan Tannehill a contract extension? They just may. I think Tennessee takes care of business on the road. So I'm 14 and 14 since I started the Sean Moraes show in October here. Picking games. I do four games every week. My picks. I will take the Pats. No flu shots. Minus three in Houston. I will take the Chiefs. Minus ten and a half at home. I will take the Titans getting a point and a half, and I will take the Packers at the Meadowlands crushing the Giants, laying six and a half. Your picks for a week 13. I, you know how I like my picks this week? Because every single week that I make these picks, it's either I take the Bengals and the points, I do something that's McKeon shakes his head in disgust across the other side. Absolutely gets grossed out by some of my picks. I didn't get a shake in the head and disgust by Brian McKeon here. Yeah, I'm not in love with the Titans pick. You're not in love with it, but you don't hate it because you didn't give me yeah, the I mean, disgusting I've got, look. I, I've got a personal rule myself where I just never bet on the Titans. Well, I, I usually just, have that rule. They're just a disgusting team. But I've learned now with Ryan Tannehill, you can bet on the Titans. No, this you is, can you can never bet on the franchises. I don't care what happens. They could trade for Mahomes tomorrow. I'll never bet on them. I always feel that way with the Chargers. I, the, you bet the Chargers, you're destined to lose. The Titans are the definition of 9-7 and seven to 7-9. Seven Every year... They win every game they're not. They win every game they're not supposed to win, and they lose every game they're supposed. They to are win. perfectly mediocre. They are perfectly mediocre, but they're perfect enough for me to like here on the road in Indy. I did tease this, and I wanted to touch on it. Mike Garofola, NFL Network, reporting that Dan Snyder, as the Washington Redskins, continue to have nobody in the crowd at these games. Think about this. Bad teams can be bad teams and not draw in bad weather, and that's understandable. But usually when a team spends a first-round pick on a rookie quarterback, even if he's struggling, there is some excitement to watch that rookie quarterback develop the rest of the year. That's a reason to watch. You have a young quarterback. There is that with the Arizona Cardinals who won't be making the playoffs, but you want to see Kyler Murray play. New York Giant fans will still show up because they want to see Daniel Jones play. Redskins fans ain't showing up to see Dwayne Haskins play, and Dwayne Haskins was the last of those guys to start. We've already seen Jay Gruden fired, and now the report from Mike Garofola is that Dan Snyder understands that something needs to change. Something, quote, drastic needs to change. Maybe they can go on a run here, and Dwayne Haskins looks right, and Dan Snyder decides, I'm going to keep Bruce Allen. This is a quote from Garofola, but I'm telling you for the first time, they are evaluating Bruce Allen's role with the team. Bruce Allen, who has been in the pocket of Dan Snyder and has really produced nothing, and let Kirk Cousins walk, which I didn't even think was a bad move. Because when you're Washington and you have Kirk Cousins, the last thing you want to always be is 8-8, eight 9-7, eight, picking in the middle of the draft and never good enough to truly compete for a Super Bowl. So they might have gotten crushed for that. I didn't mind letting Kirk Cousins walk. 
They now are going to be back at the top of the draft, but do you trust Bruce Allen to get this right? And I tease this apart about Haskins. Haskins has clearly looked like the worst of the three first-round quarterbacks. I think we can all agree. Kyler Murray looks to be the part. Daniel Jones has all the makings to be the part. He's had some fumbling issues, but for the most part, has really not turned the ball over interception-wise, has thrown plenty of touchdown passes. Both those guys look like keepers for their organization. Dwayne Haskins, pretty hard spot as a as a rookie quarterback. Here you are, you have you lose your head coach, but then you see you know when he's winning a game, he's going to taking selfies with the crowd and having Case Keenum go. He, he's not Case Keenum going to take that kneel down. He's not showing any maturity, and that's a bad sign for a rookie quarterback when you don't show maturity. So if Bruce Allen, who drafted Dwayne Haskins, is out, Jay Gruden maybe not have wanted Dwayne Haskins to begin with is already out. And Dan Snyder cleans house and brings in a new general manager here and a new front office here. And this team is picking second overall, third overall. And yes, they have needs on the offensive line. Yes, they could use a pass rusher like Chase Young. But if they're right at that top of the draft and it's a new general manager and a new head coach, seeing what has happened in Arizona, where they got out from Josh Rosen and they selected Kyler Murray, and I think Arizona will be one of those teams as we sit in August that people think is a trendy playoff pick. Arizona did something wild and something drastic, and that's the key word, in dumping Josh Rosen after just one year. And poor Josh Rosen may may be a good quarterback down the line, if, like a Rich Gannon type that is a second wave late. And they seem to have hit it right with Kyler Murray. Do they hire a new general manager, and because they're picking at the top of the draft, do the Washington Redskins end up with a Justin Herbert? Do the Washington Redskins go quarterback again with a new general manager because he's going to want his guy? Maybe. Maybe they do. And that would shock me. I do have to correct myself. I said this on the show. Houston beat Kansas City. No. Kansas City. I mean, I'm sorry. Houston beat Kansas City. Kansas City did not beat Houston. As I've been tweeted at Rob, that must have that was when Mahomes was out, if I'm correct, right? I screwed that up. Bottom line is this: Houston's look like dog food in big games. So I want to correct myself. I've still taken the Pats in a big spot. That'll do it for the Sean Moran Show. McKeon, Grisef. See, I correct myself. When I'm wrong, I'm not going to be defined to tell you I'm right. I was wrong. McKeon and Grisef, a great job. Great job out of Charles Davis. Great job out of Justin Shackle. Great job at a Greg Caserta. We had a lot of fun. Stay tuned. John Kincaid's got you set for a rivalry weekend recap and a look ahead to the NFL Sunday on CBS Sports Radio. Take care, everyone.